Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. What if I told you there is a world where not only are monsters like vampires and werewolves real, but they have rights just like you and me. And in this world, there exists a secret government organization dedicated to keeping you safe and making sure they follow the rules. Welcome to Anarium a Monster of the Week podcast. Each episode, you will follow the story of three agents of Anarian, played by Rob Hamilton, Taylor Catron, and Cameron Bain, as they navigate through the treacherous world that Game Master Samuel Herbert has imagined for them. Tune in on Spotify, iTunes, or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. It's dangerous out there, folks. So, remember, leave the monster hunting to us. The professionals. Lee Wanika here with a quick update from your hosts here at Tabletop Journeys. At the time we recorded this episode, the survey for the giant UA had not been released yet. The survey itself was just released a few days ago and is ready for tabletop gamers and fans alike to give their feedback. We have the links to the survey on our Facebook group page and in the links below. Without further ado, listen, enjoy All About Giants, and then fill out that survey to help make your next game legendary. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we are super excited to be diving into what is another really interesting bomb dropped by uh, Wizards of the Coast here. Their giant options unearthed Arcana. But before we get into that, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, good afternoon. A beautiful, wonderful Memorial Day to both of you. How are y'all? Absolutely. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Happy day to talk over each other. My bad. You go ahead. I'm going to shut up. You finish, then I'll do. Hello, hello. Happy one happy day to you as well. Hey Glenn, Josh, happy to be here. Glad we're talking uh big things today. Really big, big things. <laughs> big huge things. even. Yeah. Well, potentially huge. Yeah. yeah. 
You so that's actually where I wanted to start today. Is you know we're gonna get into the uh, into the actual powers that are spelled out here in the UA. A nice solid five page UA with tons of stuff in it uh, that's worthy of talking about for sure. But that's actually the first thing that I wanted to get into is when all of us looked at this UA, I, or at least my first initial thought was where the heck does this sucker fit? I'm honestly, I, I have racked my brain thinking about what this might be part of. I have asked some people that may or may not be in the know for a hint. And it wasn't like the answer that I got back was, oh, we'd tell you, but we'd have to kill you. Or, oh, I'll tell you, but you can't put it on the podcast. Because I would have shared that with you before the, the episode. If I knew what it was, I would have told you guys off radio what it was. Probably. Maybe not. Bro, don't tell people that. <laughs> but more importantly, nobody has any freaking idea what this is for. No one knows. So what that tells me is this is entirely in-house. Something yeah. I've gleaned from all of our interviews that we've done in 2022 is that uh, Wizards of the Coast hires freelance writers, brings them in, does things, has them do things for very specific projects and bigger parts of projects. They will fly them out. Thank you, James Intercaso, for giving us that insight into their process. So they will know those things. But pretty much universally, everybody we've spoken to who is a freelancer has said when we were done, it then goes in-house for them to do all the playtesting, for them to do all the finish work, for them to put it all together. So... Either there's somebody out there working on this that we've not met or we don't know we know of, and they've got an NDA, and so they're just not talking about it, which is what they're supposed to do, or it's being done entirely in-house, so there are no external people who know about it. Yeah. Hard to say which that might be. It's Actually, it's impossible to say which that might be, but coming UAs, coming information, and eventually when we get some kind of D&D Direct uh, notification or blurb on D&D Beyond, hopefully we'll get it, we'll have a better sense of it. But I have no idea where it fits into anything I'm aware of is on the horizon yeah. other than you can go to a planet of giants and then they might as well make a planet of Lilliputians and yeah. that way you can do spell jamming Gulliver's Travels, which, by the way, awesome freaking idea. That would be fun as hell. Oh. Yeah. And let's be honest, though, it doesn't have to be a book on giants, right? It doesn't have to be a setting on giants. Giants exist on almost every world and in some fashion in most of the planes. So it really could fit neatly into just about anything if they give it the right narrative flavor. You're not wrong. It could be part of a section of Spelljammer if they're introducing a little mini setting or something. Yep. But it could easily be part of another new adventure book that they're going to put out involving giants. You so know, that's like, where I think this is going to go. I'm going to read you a blurb of something that supports my idea about where this is coming from. You tell me if you think this description matches what we see in this UA. The giants of blank live seclusive lives away from civilized races. They are organized into three great tribes, the Boulderfoot tribe, barely taking notice of smaller humanoids, the Shatterskull tri tribe dwelling in the Skyfang Mountains, exhorting travelers through the mountains by living as brigands, the Turn Timber tribe living on the continent of Andu, practicing druidism and hunting Baloth and similar large game. Outcasts of the Turn Timbers flee to the Mankandi trenches, stalking travelers for food. They are a docile species of giants called Herda that are used as pack animals, etc., etc. Seems so. We've got some druid stuff. We've got some barbarian stuff, right? 
What's mm-hmm, that setting mm-hmm, from? Mm-hmm. It's from the Magic the Gathering setting, Zendikar. What came out last year at this time? The Mages of Strixhaven UA. So I yeah. wonder if what they are heralding is that their next Magic the Gathering port is going to be Zendikar. Mm, I don't know. I haven't, nice read, that. I haven't read that anywhere. I, I, haven't I read like that, that and that absolutely uh, sounds yeah. spot on. I, yeah, would, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I haven't read that anywhere, so I might write up a little thing and put that up on the uh, on the Tabletop Journeys website to go ahead and say uh, that I think that this is where they're going. I but I right, don't right. know, and no, and I haven't Excerpts read anything from the tinfoil hat corner. That's what we yeah. call <laughs> exactly. But in the meantime, but I love it. That's an amazing yeah. connection. Yeah. In the meantime, let us let's go ahead and dive in here. So we're gonna again we're gonna go through the UA in order in the way that things are written here, which means that we start today with the Path of the Giant Barbarian subclass. Boys, there are a lot in this subclass. I freaking love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I love it as well, but I do have a couple of things. I have a couple things, yeah. I think that there's but it's yeah. got so much flavor. And so it's much got flavor. So much like I just want to throw things. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the tenth level ability, mighty impel. The only comment that I had next to that was, "Dude," because <laughs> that's so. I have odd. other comments beside mighty impel. I love it, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, 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 yeah. Liwanika, so, not all you. Lee. Um, initial thoughts. I've already built my Goliath that I want to do this, and I want to do this big time. There's also a halfling. Uh, there's also a Drugar version of this that I want to do because that will be hot as F. Imagine from way back when we did the gothic characters, the characters of the Feywild, uh, Glenn. Imagine your fairy barbarian as one of these guys. That would be hot, right? A, a, a fairy that can all of a sudden go gi- go huge size. Or the uh, Haragon. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the little bunny now? <laughs> <laughs> Bunnysaurus <laughs> Rex. Exactly. And is as is typical in, in a UA, of course, there are some things that, that I think are strange or at least a little bit outside of the box and maybe misplaced. I'm going to start. Uh, so the giant power ability is fine on face value. My one comment about that is reliant on wisdom, which is not typically a f- strong suit for your barbarian. And they're going to be mostly, especially with some of the later powers, they're going to have to be strength based. They're going to have constitution right. secondary because they're barbarians. Um mm-hmm. Putting wisdom as the third power there is an interesting choice. I think but, that I would say, I mean, and my, my, my feedback to them when I send my feedback will probably be, because I still maintain this, why for a physically statted mob like a giant, couldn't their spell casting modifier be based off of something that they're naturally good at, where their power comes from, like constitution? Yep. Because that would be the best spell. Yeah, they spell have just made they've made the choice not to do that. A, a, a different choice than we made when we put out Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse and we put out those feats. We said if you increase your constitution with, with this particular feat and you get spells for it, Bob's your uncle. Constitution is now your spell based modifier. Those are the, the the Earth Elemental feat I think was one of them yeah. that had constitution. You know, and we went um, we went back and forth on that. Uh, I, I think it's important to note that we the discussion was Watsi doesn't do this. We had to decide whether we were going to follow Watsi's lead or branch on our own. And we decided at the end of the day to make the narrative sing, we would branch on our own. Um, And that went back and forth. And I think we were all, we were both, all three of us were aware of both dichotomies. We knew (laughs) why one should work and why the other should work. And we knew what we were getting with either one we chose. And at the end of the day, we decided to go with what makes our hearts sing which is the narrative. He has just made the decision that spells are not physically based. 
That's, but it's not a spell at that point, and that's the point. That's the yeah. that's what Watson exactly. to accept. Exactly. At that point, it's a supernatural ability based on your physical body. Yeah, it's it, with exactly. easy mechanics that you can drop in. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But what yep. they wanted to do is to keep it clean for new players. All spells are these three things. Yep. All physical stuff are these three things. Yep. Done. That's what yep. Watsy yep. wanted. That's what Watsy has done. Some things are breaking that mold. That I think well, this is one of those things. Note to homebrewers out there. Reflavor that. That's all you got to do. Just a note to Watsy when you hear this. When you're ready to break into this, give us a call. We'll show you how. We'll show you how how to make it sing. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, Hashtag call your boys. (laughs) I was about to say, do I have to get Josh to synchronize? Lee (laughs) Wanika. We got it. We got it. What do you guys think about uh, Giants Havoc? The other ability that they get at third level. I think that in gen one, like I said, I like the two options here. The hurling is great. I think it's a lot of fun. I love the increased reach. I, one, think all Giants should have increased reach. I think it's a tragedy that Giants don't. Giants, and do, I think have, it should be- wait, giants do have increased reach. It's Barbarians that don't. Reach. Yes, Giants have reach. You're okay. getting reach in this instance as a Barbarian because you're taking on a Giant stature. Right. Your size increases. Your arms are longer. I, I heard somewhere that not that they don't have reach. You can't yeah. look at it's not in their narrow stat block. It's in the weapon. A storm giant. So their arm uh, reaches normal feet. five feet, but once you put a, a sword in it, it goes oh, up. Oh, so it's under the weapon that it has reached. Mm-hmm. Under the creature weapon, itself yeah. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I uh, just giants like also that. have ten feet. Yep. So I, well, I, mean, I like this because it only applies to weapon attacks, though. I think that's reaches, I, and I dislike that. I think my point stands, even though it's better clarified here. So I appreciate the clarification. Well, your point is that giants don't have reach, and they do. My True. point is, but they don't. Their weapons do. So if I've got a giant who is disarmed, he no longer can reach. That's dumb. Uh, okay. Fair. The so, way they wrote it is dumb. You're not wrong. Yeah, okay. But what they're, giant, what they're doing there is they're splitting up the arm and then the weapon. And this is not. It's simply saying you have an increase of five feet. It's a silly. Yeah. It's a silly wording thing. But they can't reprint giants. Yeah. Oh yes, they can. So they're printing it. Right they absolutely. They just did. Here. They just re- reprinted a whole bunch of things. They very easily could have done that. <laughs> Okay, let me rephrase. Right. They can't yeah. do it, and they did with more cannons. They could have chosen to, but just like all of the original races in the player's handbook, they're not going to yeah. just put out a new version. I think we're arguing semantics at this I, point. I was going to say, uh, if reach, this episode cool is going to just be about barbarians, we but should reel this back in. <laughs> the reason I love Giants Havoc specifically, I think the reach thing is neat, but by the time it hits the next level where it increases again, I think it becomes OP. Now you're talking 15-foot reach. That's longer than a polearm or yeah. a giant. They're huge size, though, at that point. Like, they do go to huge. Right. Yeah. But the reason I love it is because of how well so many of the abilities stack together. Crushing yeah. Hurl doesn't seem like much at third level when you get your rage bonuses and extra is extra to your damage. Yeah, you get rage on thrown weapons now instead of just melee. Right. That's what I'm yeah. saying. And it doesn't seem huge at first, but you got to understand that this is saying you're going to build a throwing character. That's what this is all about. And when yeah. you get your next ability for Elemental Cleaver, where your thrown weapon now returns to you and does yep. additional damage beyond that, yep. it starts to get crazy. Well, and now any weapon that you've got is now a thrown weapon. So like if you are wielding a greatsword, your greatsword is now a 60 foot range thrown weapon. That's hot. Was it any weapon? Yeah. 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 Any weapon. Oh. You nice. can throw a crossbow. Yeah. It gains the throne property. I missed that one line. Yeah. That no matter what it was, it gets, it gains the throne property. Yeah. Yep. Deals extra. And, well, and we're not actually on that ability yet, but hey, next yeah. is an elemental cleaver. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's what's hot is that is you're absolutely right. So like now I can and throwing my greatsword with rage and, and, and for 60 feet. Absolutely. Like 20 feet is its main range and 60 feet is expanded range. But still like that's hot. That is hot. I love it. Yeah, an elemental cleaver immediately returns to your hand instantly after it strikes or misses. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then so you've got your thrown weapons and then you go up to your next level with mighty impel. That's basically I can now throw you like so now here's the so question. Before we move on Are, from elemental cleaver, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I got something for it. Sorry. I yeah. just want to I want to pause there. But elemental cleaver, which is wicked cool. I object to a little bit. And I say that because the Eldritch Knight was put out with one of its main weapon features, main class features being the weapon bond yep. and the fact that it could throw and return and it has to return it with a bonus action. They have to use their bonus action to get their weapon back, which oh. takes away all of the coolness of that actual ability. Now, mind you, they get that at third. This is sixth, but it also has all of the extra stacked stuff on it. The basic level of the Eldritch Knight weapon ability should be instant return and it's should not so this, not this, this ability action. does totally make that one obsolete that's actually Plus what it, <clears throat> adds more to it with the extra d6 you're not you're not Any wrong weapon can become thrown yeah you're not wrong glenn that's actually one of the reasons why i don't care for the eldritch knight is because the action economy is does not make uh, it Great. True. I guess it's less of an objection to this class and more of uh, an objection to the fact that the Eldritch Knight should be could be so much cooler if they remade it with the way that they're writing classes now. I guess that's my better. Yep. My yeah, it needs an update. It, or GMs out there, feel free to homebrew your Eldritch Knight so he gets instant return like this guy does, because that's what I'm going to start doing, I think. Yep. I would agree, because yep. that makes sense. All right. Sorry, you can move on to Mighty Impel. Mighty Impel. Mighty Impel. Basically, your ability to go ahead and pick up bad guys and throw them. Here's my question. Is that and given allies. The changes, and allies, right. So here's my question. Given the changes in Elemental Cleaver, if you pick up a skeleton, is that skeleton now a weapon? No. You Why have not? to infuse your weapon at the end of a long rest, I believe. No, when you enter your range. When you enter your rage, you infuse the weapon. So it's not yep. just magically picking something up and infusing it. You can only infuse one weapon. Okay. So you could pick All up right. a skeleton and infuse it and then swing it around by its ankles for right. the rest of the combat. And then that's what it's also weapon. not a it's also not a thing. I believe by definition <clears throat> it's a creature because it has a creature type. Therefore, yeah. it's not creatures saying, can't be weapons. <clears throat> yeah, you can infuse exactly. one weapon, so it has to specifically be a weapon. That's All not right. an improvised weapon, that's a weapon. All right. Well, I think you could use improvised weapons because it it makes improvised things weapons, but it, you can't turn a person into a weapon because you can't improvise a person. Rules-wise, uh, they, they split the difference between weapon and improvised weapon and a number of abilities specifically because you can't apply great weapon fighting to swinging the bench from a picnic table, even though it's big. It's an you're improvised correct. weapon. You're correct. But I think this is more based on the fact that it's a creature versus whether it's improvised or not. Yeah, because it's believe not a creature. Yes, it is. Oh, oh an it's a creature, creature type. Wait, you're not dead. talking about one off the ground. You're talking about picking up an enemy. My bad. I rule. An improvised weapon includes any object you can wield in one or two hands, such as a broken glass, a table leg, a frying pan, a wagon wheel, or a dead goblin. <laughs> I rule. Dead goblin is an inert body. If yeah. this is an enchanted so, skeleton standing up, it's not inert. It's yeah. got its own enchantment. So once it becomes a zombie, already. a shadow, a shade, or something yeah, yeah, yeah. else, it, once it becomes a creature. creature. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love your thinking, though. It's like the meme where they're doing the the uh, Lord of the Rings thing. You're like, you have my bow and my axe. And then the necromancer goes, thump, and my bard. 
right. Yeah. Uh, uh, love it. All right. I give we, credit, we, but I don't know where that originally came from. It's, it's gone around many times. Yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. all kinds of permutations. So, all right. 14th level Demi Urgent. Impala has something to say. Oh, too. oh, yeah. No, please. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No worries. So, here's my question about Mighty Impel. Because it's not clear. And as a storyteller, I'm like, how am I going to adjudicate this? First off, does the creature just automatically lands on their feet? Even if it's an ally, no dex check or acrobatics check to land on their feet. They only land prone, according to Mighty Impel, if they don't land on a solid surface that they can stand on. So I pick up the goblin and I throw him 30 feet and he lands on his feet and he's ready to just run charging back at me. He doesn't land prone. Nope. That's weird. Uh, yeah. It, it, and that's even exactly, if it is an yeah, ally, exactly if I pick up Artle the elephant and I huck him 30 feet, he can't. he's not a cat. Unless it's a tabaxi, I think there should be some kind of a dex or acrobatics check to land on your feet and still be able to act. Unless there's significant training involved. Like I once designed an NPC ogre that threw goblins, but they trained as a circus act before they became bandits. <laughs> the flying Karamazov brothers. Yeah. It was fun. So, it was yeah. so much fun. And yes, yeah, so like, the goblins are like, ah! But anyway, yep. so and then, oh, go yeah. ahead, because I got more. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the idea here is they wanted to give people the opportunity to do the Colossus Wolverine speedball special. <laughs> and they didn't want to overcomplicate that yeah. with additional roles. So they just left that out. And they just said, if you're in the air and where you're and you cannot stand where you land or where the, the distance ends, then you fall prone. If I totally get that it, that's what they're saying, but I'm calling bullshit on that because yeah. it's a shit mechanic and somebody out there somewhere is going to question yeah. it at your table and put you in a bad spot. I, I wonder if the, in, in the feedback, they need to clarify that when yeah. they get the feedback yeah. from the UA. Yeah, absolutely. I, I almost wonder if that's a response. So either it is it is just intentionally light in the UA and they're like, we'll figure that out later kind of thing. We're just going to give them like they want right. to see what feedback they get to help them shape the mechanic. It's possible. Exactly right. Thing one or thing two. I wonder if it's on some level, some sort of a reaction, because a lot of people say that D&D is like over legislated by the rules. And so I mm -hmm. wonder if they're like, you know what? We can trust our storytellers to go ahead and adjudicate what happens here when Og throws Happy the Goblin. Like Maybe we can, we can trust them to go ahead and, and let them adjudicate that. It'd be unusual for them to go ahead and make that decision. But I wonder. If I that's don't think that's it at all. I, I, I would love if they came out and said this is why we did it that would yeah. make my heart glow <laughs> make, make an entire however it's a little dark in here right now and i don't yeah. think that's what's happening yep i i, I so. think it's probably they wanted to wait and see how feedback came back they might have a couple ideas but they decided to see what feedback was before because they prescribed one they might get a down or an up where they might not necessarily get the answers that they wanted for the thing so right now they're questioning the thing and then the finish on the thing they'll just they'll add later based on feedback. I think right, that's so where it, it is. Yep. Now check it out. Here's the next part of Mighty Impel. This ability is nuts. I love it, but it needs work. It's a bonus action. Yeah. So that means that as a barbarian, I could go nuts with my great sword and cut a dude in half, then pick up his neighbor as my bonus action. I might do two attacks, right? Crazy damage, cut that dude clean in half, grab another guy with one hand and throw him off a cliff. There's no limitation, right? And then yeah. no roll to hit or contested roll for the athletics to grab. It's just contested uh, strength versus getting thrown. It's a strength save. An un unwilling creature must succeed in the strength throw, yeah. A strength saving throw. So the other creature gets a saving, but it's not, yep. a, contested, it's not a contested roll. You automatically succeed in the grab unless yep. they're strong enough to resist you. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that's consistent with how they do a lot of grab mechanics. It's pretty consistent with how they do trip mechanics, push mechanics, things it's like that. It's directly opposed to the way they route the grapple rules for getting a hold of somebody when you're not swinging a sword at them. I, I, I agree that's opposed to the grapple, but that's because grapple has a couple different things going on with it. Grapple also creates restraint. This doesn't say that. So mm. I think because they're leaving that out of, I think it's a pretty mm. clean mechanic that works pretty smoothly at the table. It's not two sets of rolls to do one thing. I think whenever you have that issue, it can be a bit challenging. So I like this in that for that reason. One mechanic it's strength, it's opposed, so you're going to have a hard time chucking strong dudes as opposed to weak and a strength save, but a save is opposed in one regard in that you, 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 the difficulty gets harder the higher level you get. So I think it, I, I, while it is not an opposed check, quote unquote, it is still something that requires opposition. I, I hear what you're saying, and I, we may have to agree to disagree in yeah. the end, but it's too much. I get that they're trying to streamline it. I get that they're trying to make it one mechanic. Yeah. It's also too much as a bonus action. It's too many things, especially as a bonus action. It has yeah. to be an action. Period. It has to be a full action. be able to pick a dude up and check him. If you yeah. want to add a damage mechanic onto it and make them prone at the end of it if they're an enemy, I'm cool with that. But it's got to be an action. But I'm just having trouble with the strength save. I get that you're saying that it goes up with your bonus and your modifier, but it gives you no opportunity to fumble. It gives yep. you no opportunity to reach for Artle the Elephant yep. and miss. It's your strength is this. You are going to grab him. If he's strong enough to resist, the strength save. Yeah. Great. If he's not, he's screwed. He, right? here's you even, have no opportunity for failure. It's if they're strong enough to resist you. Yeah. Even worse than that, it not only... So it, you try to grab the elephant, it gives me no chance to miss. It also gives me no chance to miss the tabaxi swashbuckler who is running at 120 feet around. It gives me no opportunity to miss them either. All I have to do is succeed in a strength save against a creature who is not strength-based. Right. They're speed-based, and that's got to come in for their ability to dodge, like in the ac exactly. acrobatics skill for grappling. Or It's cutting out too much. Or mobility, or a couple other things. But yeah. I, I guess my thought is this. If I'm fighting a giant, especially one that's huge size, I'm not trying to get up under it. You are if you're a tabaxi rogue and you need to cut his hamstring. Yeah, we were just yeah we were just talking about swashbucklers whose their entire build is based on their ability to run up to you, slice you, and then GTFO so that you can't hit them. That's where the light crossbow comes in. Okay, where the crossbow comes in. Unless I'm a rapier fighter, that's you're not you know. wrong. But I guess I, I still I, love the subclass. It just yep. needs work. It's amazing. Yeah, but it needs work. I would I, agree that as a bonus action, it's a bit much. I would definitely agree there, but I, I kind of dig it. Oh, it's I, a great. I, I want the ability, but I also like, recognize I want a rune knight. I, I want a rune knight giant barbarian. I get wanting the OP power. OP powers are wicked cool, but it doesn't yeah. change the fact that they're OP. That's a OP. Yeah. It messes with the action economy and it messes with bounded accuracy both. If a DM used this ability against me, as a tabaxi rogue, taking away my ability to use my speed and agility to defend myself and hucked me off a cliff, even if I lived from the falling damage, I'd be pissed. Yep. Yep. All right. So Demiurgic Colossus, the kind of capstone ability for this subclass here, I, I, my one point of feedback, so it does, it, it basically expands on all the cool stuff that these barbarians have already been given. 
Mm-hmm. That is both kind of my compliment and my feedback on this. It would have been nice to see a little bit more creativity in this rather than just saying all these things you've got before are now a little more extra. I just think that's a little, it's a little cheap. <laughs> I, I think that's an acknowledgement. Yeah, I yeah. think that's an acknowledgement that everything else was really powerful. So it was really good. Need yeah. to give something new. Yeah, um, I'm going to be honest. I think that it sings as a capstone. You become a huge sized. That creature. is cool. That is cool. But it shouldn't be at 14. And this speaks to my theory on subclasses: that subclasses should define the capstone ability. You should not be able to become a huge creature with a reach of 15 feet at 14th level. That is a 20th level ability. That is the capstone for the class. It should yeah. not be the capstone for a 14 subclasses should all be the flavor that run to the end. And they should be what your capstone is based off of. And that's my only feedback on demiurgic colossus. Well, yep. It's I, huge, huge. It's, it's colossus, but it's too much for 14th level to be a, for a all huge sized creature. Yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah, for it's not all of tier three. It's one level in tier three. Everything else is tier for all of tier four. Yeah, right. for all of I tier four to spend right. it as give, a huge give it creature. in tier four and give them a strength boost while they're in that form to really dress up the hugeness of them. Yeah, this is a class capstone as it should be. Yeah. Okay, sexy yeah, on we, the barbarian. We didn't we? Some <laughs> feedback on the barbarian also, but a sexy class. Like I'm, I really, I'm playing. Oh God, yes. They've got some, they've got some really beautiful stuff in there. Let's move on to the circle of the primeval druid. So I think my feedback on this one is a little bit lighter. Actually, I think it is a rounder class, but I had some kind of more big questions, big topics that I wanted to talk about in this one. The first thing was in the very beginning of the class. I thought that they made an excellent case for why this druid would be an adventurer in the, in the description. And I wanted to acknowledge that because I feel like we've given wizards a ton of crap for times when they've designed subclasses that seemed like there they would never be adventurers. Like we talked about the swarm keeper the other day about how there's no reason why a swarm keeper would be an adventurer. It is written specifically into the background that they are solitary home, stay at home types who don't go out and adventure. And I think that in the opening paragraphs that they made an excellent case for why this druid would be an adventurer. And I thought that was really good. I agree. Actually. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Cause um, they're, they're like, History druids, right? Yep. So they're out there trying to preserve natural sites of history. And Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I love the ideas that are here. I'm not a big fan of druids for a host of reasons, but it, if there's going to be a subclass that walks me back from that and says, if you had to play a druid, which one you'd play? This is really the first one that I've had any keen interest in considering. Previously, it'd be if I was in a game where you had to take a role and that was the only one left on the deck, I guess I'd take it just because I love playing D&D. But this is the only druid I've ever said, yeah, I could see if the game warranted, if the game that was being played warranted this kind of druid, I would dig it. I would play this. Totally Uh, agree. I've never said that before about a druid, and so I'm liking it. That's my overall comment. I like it a lot, but it should be a ranger. This is what the Beastmaster ranger should be. This is exactly, minus a couple of changes, what the Beastmaster Ranger should be. This is the way the Beastmaster's companion should work. It should scale with him, regardless of what you make it look like. You can make it look like a cat. You can make it look like a wolf. You can make it look like a dinosaur. And then the only other thing you need is a little bit of changes, because Rangers don't cast as many spells as Druid in terms of like prehistoric conduit. And this is exactly what 
Beastmaster Ranger yep. should have been. I, it's I not hope a druid. We see this. It's yeah, a ranger. I hope we see this in the next range, in the next version of Ranger because it makes a cool druid too. Because druids should also be able to have companions. Yep. I've always felt as opposed to just turning into the animals. Yep. But this is a Ranger build over a druid. Yep. My my only thing about companion animals, and this is my sticky wicket again. I'm on record as saying this. I am not a fan that companion animals are summoned creatures, not actual existing creatures in nature. I would change that in the ranger too. This would be the creature that bonds with you. It comes out of nature, bonds with you, and now it's your creature. And because of that, they have to scale. Otherwise, they're not survivable at higher levels. Yeah. But I think that I think. And if it dies, you could bond with a new one. Correct. You know, might take a ritual or something like that. Yep. But I, I am. I, I will go on record as saying that. that's the main reason why I've yet to play a ranger in in five e mm-hmm. because I think rangers should have companions. I don't care what kind of ranger you play. I don't care if you're a gloomstalker. I think you should have some kind of underdark salamander that's your companion. Whatever mm-hmm. spider. Well, if, you, yeah. if you're in the woods, you need to have your big bear so I can be Grizzly Adams. Whatever it takes, whatever I absolutely feel that that's really what this is missing is not having it be a natural creature. Easily homebrewed. Make it a natural creature. Done is done. However, as written and as we're evaluating, that's really my biggest gripe with it. I don't like summoned companions, except for the pet paladin. That's an extremely powerful magical thing. Or with wizards with their familiars. I don't mind that being a, a spirit of kinds or summoned. But again, it should stay unless you summon some kind of extra dimensional imp or something like that. Is that it should be a physical thing that's in this world. Because at too many tables that I've played at or even run, there's no bond to the familiar. There's, oh, I'm just going to send so-and-so into death's jaws because I can just summon him tomorrow. And I hate that. That just feels wrong yeah. at, at a table. I don't yep. like that feeling. I will never be okay with that mechanic. Yeah, I, I will say that the I totally hear where you're coming from on that, Luminika, and I, I don't disagree. I think that this is closer Nor where you're bound to the spirit of the animal and then you summon a physical animal that manifests the spirit. But I also hear what you're saying, that it's not a single solitary physical thing. It is a physical thing that is infused with the spirit with which you are bound with, which all that sort of stuff. And I think that while the rules for the primeval companion are better, they are much, much better than they are for familiars and animal companions with rangers and everything like that, the fact that the primeval companion still can't do anything other than dodge unless you spend your bonus action not the worst in the world and better but i'm still it still doesn't act independently enough really for me yeah so i don't disagree and to be fair when i made it a ranger because i still contend that at least for rangers the way that they set that action economy up isn't right because if you have any animal training ability at all you could train your animal to attack the same target that you're attacking if nothing else So then you wouldn't need to use your bonus action. If you attack, it would automatically choose that as its target. There's lots of ways you could do it. That's the problem with action economy and making sure you balance it across your classes. Because if you're going to take a class like the Ranger and give it a, that's traditionally throughout D&D had an animal companion and traditionally throughout D&D was the two weapon fighting class. That's competing bonus actions based on the way that they've written the class. You can either be a two weapon fighting Ranger or a Beastmaster and be effective but not both. And that's part of the problem with it. And the answer is make it a reaction. I love the reaction they did give the primeval companion in this. The intercept attack to take half the damage from an attack for you is hot. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That that is an excellent animal companion action economy, and it can do that on its own. So that kind of makes up for it a little bit, but. Yep. 
Yeah, it's it's one of the things that they can do if you sp- if you spend your bonus action, which is nice. The otherwise, the only thing that they can do is dodge. Oh, they can still use their reaction to intercept attack without using your bonus action. It's a reaction that they can use. That, that's a hot time. ability. It can it choose can to use, use its uh, use its reaction on its own, but it can only. But the uh, yep, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so on its own, it can take its for you. Better. Yep. Better. So better. Now, better, now, better. now it's better. at least somewhat of a meat shield, but it should yep. still have some ability to make attacks on its own, even if it's yeah. only attack the target I'm attacking. And if you're not attacking somebody, so be it yep. just sits there because it doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Give it something. So I didn't really have any comments on prehistoric conduit or Titanic bond. Honestly, I thought that they were well-placed. I thought that they were well-built. I thought Me too. they were, they're pretty standard, like nothing really to write home about. I did have thoughts on scourge of the agents, however, and it, it more has to do with, I think here's the funny part, right? Or not funny part, but here's the thing for me. If you look at the barbarian class that we just looked at mm. and this druid class, what do they have in common? They both get their alpha ability at 14th level. I think think that there is no comparison between this 14th level ability and the 14th level ability that the barbarian gets. The 14th level that the barbarian gets beats this thing behind a bar and leaves it bloody and no wallet. It is perhaps blue ribbon. Sorry oh, about your luck. Because it's even written in a way that makes it sound cool. Like, think about the Mahler ability, right? So mm-hmm. on a hit, the companion strike deals an additional damage equal to 1d8 plus the level of the spell slot expended. Sounds fine until you re- realize the fact that you've got to expend a spell slot in the first place. So yeah, you're doing additional damage, but it comes at the expense of a spell slot. And for a druid, that's almost never a good trade-off. Yeah, and, right? and Especially not for a point of damage for a first level spell, yeah, two points of extra damage. If it was at least two times spell. the spell level or something, yeah. maybe, but yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's be honest. It's at six level of Druid. You're doing your, or, or 14th level as a Druid. You've got what? Six or possibly seventh level spells. At least six. I would imagine. Six. I will tell you here in a second. 14th level Druid has got okay. one seventh, so one sixth, two fifths. You're giving up <clears throat> your seventh level spell for seven points of damage at 14th level. Just use level? your seventh level spell. Just, right use your seventh level spell exactly now, if you're, yeah, yeah. Well, it, that if also you, gets you titanic strike and that's fair but still it's not worth it it's not worth it you get all of those for a first level spell anyway so now you use it for yeah. a seventh level spell for nothing but an extra seven yeah exactly that right. was crap. Yeah. it's crap yep yeah. yeah. does not sing not a great alpha strike ability dude i haven't said it's crap in a yeah. while that was fun so let's talk about well, the rune craft. It's actually a good thing. The fact that we haven't been able to say that about a product in a while is a it, good it, thing yeah that's fair that's fair Hey there, travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level, plus Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DM's Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. Let's talk about the rune crafter a little bit here. Can I go first? Yeah, please. Mine will be quick. Yeah. I found this confusing in a couple ways. I've read it when I was tired. I've read it when I was awake <laughs> and I read it again. And I'm like, I can sense that there's something here that would be cool, but I just don't think I'm getting it. And so I'm actually looking to you guys to help yeah. me figure out 
what they're going for because I'm missing this a bit. Yeah. Like, so I want it to be cooler than it is. Yep. And it actually came out after I was working on something that I was dealing with runes and thinking about wizard stuff. And then I saw this and I scrapped that idea for a future project. That's why I backed off of saying I had a wizard idea because it was going somewhat along these lines, but I'm just not getting it. Like it's enough for him. Like I would hate to say, I don't like it, but I certainly don't like it. And so it's not a negative. It's just not, I'm absolutely not positive on it. I am neutral on it at this point, leaning yeah. towards whichever way, Somebody can best explain this to me because I'm not figuring it out well. So here is I like it. I like the powers. Let me start there. I like the powers. I like the things it gets. What I don't like is the fact that it's a wizard. I feel like attaching this to a wizard makes it feel weird to me. I would much rather see this see like a rune crafting warlock, frankly, or a sorcerer, something that is a little bit more mystic. Uh, a, a cleric, rune, maybe a cleric, a rune crafting cleric would be a cleric hot. would be cool. Yeah, because um, that implies study. But I don't. But I don't like the. And maybe that's the. Maybe that's the thing. Is I know wizard implies study and cleric implies, and that's where they're saying is you've studied. But I guess I've. There's nothing runes. innate about a rune. You have to learn it. You have to master. Yeah. it. You have to understand the power of the symbol and all yeah. of its meaning to the very depths of its magical existence in order to be able to use it, just like a spell. I think it makes perfect sense for a wizard. Yeah, I, it's kind of like it's like a second form of magic. You remember when we did our wizard subclass and we talked yeah. about a scaffolding because that's the wizard subclass is very basic, but it gives you solid abilities. So wizard spellcasting ability by itself and its versatility is insane. Yeah. So you already have all of that. You're still a wizard, Harry, right? <laughs> yeah. But now. You've learned a second form of magic. You've studied with the giants or you've studied the ancient texts of the giants or hieroglyphs yeah. in a cave of giants. And yeah. you've learned to master the runic magic of giants. And you're recording this in your spell book as well. So you only know certain runes, right. right? So now you're a wizard who casts, who uses the magic of symbols. And each rune does different things for you to help you and enhance your spell casting abilities. And I think the way that it does it is pretty subtle. It's not perfect, but I think it really sings, especially when you're looking at things like the yeah. engraved enmity, where you can basically use a rune to curse one of your foes and yes. it literally magically appears above their head. That's like yep. the symbol of the magical rune of the giants. And like envision in the casting, you're drawing this rune in the air and it glows and then it shoots out and then cases them or shines above their head or something yep. along those lines. Yeah. And as long as you just, you've just got to come up with that flavor piece on your own. It's just a yeah. new form of magic. Yeah. I, I, I guess you're not wrong. And I guess that's, again, I, I, I reading through this and I was just like, man, this just doesn't, this just doesn't feel like a wizard to me. And, and that's Tying it to arcane recovery at 10th level was cool. So they get yep, something back. I, that, I did think that was cool. A little awkward, but it's cool. It was it, awkward in the sense that half your modifier rounded up. So think about as a, again, as a wizard. So intelligence is probably going to be your primary thing. You've, so you can regain it's like two of them on a short rest tying to arcane, arcane recovery. You only get four at 10th level anyway. So you can gain half of them. It just, it seems, you know, so it's, it's just like a really complicated way of saying that tie to arcane recovery and for as many spell levels as you restore, you can regain half. You can get, regain half your uses or something like that. It just seems like a really complicated way to say something very simple. So Yeah, the wording could be better. So 
I missed something along the way. Perhaps you can help me out with this. Sure. When I got to the Rune Maven and the Arcane Recovery, I missed where it told me how many runes you could have at any given time. And they're based on your proficiency bonus. Okay. And where does it say that? I missed that somewhere. Uh, your study of runecraft has unlocked the ability to decode runes and language. Uh, you can cast it without expending a spell. No, nope, not, not that one. Runic empowerment. Here we go. You can invoke no more than one rune per spell. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yep. That was in, in runic empowerment. Yep. So basically... It, it's weird yeah. for me to see how many you have of a thing at the end versus at the beginning. Like, yeah. I was looking for yeah. that at the beginning, and that's why I missed it. Yeah. I kept typical. looking at this. It just yeah. struck me as odd. It, like I said, when I was reading this and I first read it when I was tired, and then when I went back, I was like, why doesn't this make sense to me? And that was one of the things that, that uh, Rune Maven is one of the uh, things that didn't make sense because I'm like, oh, this is limited. Where's the limitation? And right. I couldn't find that because I wasn't, I, at that point, I was no longer reading it straight through, and I missed it when I read it the first time. I was looking for pieces and parts. That just threw me off. And that's the thing with this new trend for stacked abilities or abilities that enhance or expand off of a previous one. You got to remember what was written in the previous one too. So sometimes you got to go back and double check. It can be a pain in the nuts, but that does make it even more interesting now that you've done that. Cause I didn't fully make the connection to what you were talking about, Josh, that it's your number of uses is based off of your proficiency bonus, not your intelligence modifier. So it was already not stating that it's a matter of how smart you are to be able to master multiple runes. Yeah. So it shouldn't then move to your intelligence modifier. It should stay on your proficiency bonus. Yeah. They should match. Yeah. Or they should just say, you can, like, it's tied to arcane recovery and you can regain half of your use. You can you regain, regain half, half of your, your use, half of the slots you've used or whatever. But to your question, Lou and Nika, to, to simplify, this is all just boiling down to whenever you cast a spell, you can do something else. You can do you another an extra thing. That, that's, that's really at the end of the day what it boils down to is that you, you cast a spell, you get something else. Yeah, but the, the but the something else is also I understand where your sense of confusion came from because like it's that was my feedback on this entire thing is that it's all written very complicated for very simple things. Think right. about uh, about the war rune, right? Under runic empowerment, right? So when you invoke the rune, choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you until the end of your next turn. Attack rolls, attack rolls that target the chosen creature gain a bonus equal to half the level of the spell slot expended. So that's maximum of plus five. So that's it. So why not? I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, so it's not much of a bonus and it's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. The words we should expect from a UA. Honestly, it hasn't gone to final polish and final. That's edit. fair. So it's the initial, it's been cleaned up. It's not the initial word vomit of a month, yeah, yeah. Of a canon, <laughs> but right. they haven't gone through and found ways to simplify all the language yet. Yeah, 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 and yeah. they deliberately don't put it through that much of a process before they put it out. Cause it's not done yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's a fair. little bit of word complexity I accept in a UA, and I just expect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, think uh, for me, there was just enough word complexity that maybe it was the timing of it that it, it totally confused me and made me say, eh, I don't know. Based on our conversation, I, 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 I can see it a little better. I still think it would be better as a cleric. I think it makes more sense as a cleric myself. Yeah, I, I just... I, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it, it works well. I mean, even, yeah, I, I don't think it works well as a wizard at all. So. I, I, I don't have a problem with it as a wizard. I could see a wizard doing yeah. it specifically if I were going to play a dwarven wizard or a goliath wizard. I think wizards of any kind of with any kind of barbarian culture would make sense to me. I think it would actually sing for those things. And uh, why wouldn't this be a wizard that walks out of the mountains from a barbarian tribe? 
Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it works for that. And I could, because I have a better understanding of how the powers interact and work, because I would now change my opinion to the positive side of things and say, like, before I was in the middle, because I just didn't understand it. Now that I understand that. it, I would definitely go that route. Where does a wizard that emerges from a barbarian tribe get a spell book? Uh, they, write it, I, they write it themselves? They write it on, they have a tattoo. Civilized on their, society didn't invent the first books. They yeah, were bound they, books. They, they write it, in, they have a tattooed on their arms. It's etched in tablets. It's on yeah, hides. Okay. Uh, there's any yeah. number of things that it could be. The, uh, the, the uh, wise men of the village yeah. can write and might even send out for parchments to other, you know? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But no, I do agree that it definitely could use some tinkering to really make it sing for a wizard. Yeah, but I like the idea of using the runes and the giant magic to enhance your yep. of a wizard finding another form of magic and using it to enhance their magic. And, yep, you know, putting them together. I think that's a cool concept. I do like, I like that it a lot. Like, you, you could, you could tinker a... the abilities to make it a little bit more arcane, and then you could also have a runecraft domain cleric yeah. that's similar, but then flavor the way that they use their runes to be more towards divine magic, and then it would right. be. Awesome. Yeah. So like another confusing bit here. So underneath engraved enmity, and it's it is a it's a kind of a throwaway at the top of page four in the UA here. It talks about how your enmity lasts for one minute until you lose your concentration. Does engraved enmity take concentration? Does it take your concentration slot? It says that as though you as if you were concentrating on a spell. But it right. doesn't say it earlier that it requires concentration or anything. So it's almost thrown in like an afterthought. It surprised me too when I hit yeah, it. Yeah. Like, Wait, this is that this I went back through it and I didn't find it's it. It's like yeah. as if you're concentrating So then it on takes spell. away all your other concentration spells. So now you have to add that calculation. So your capstone exactly. cuts off other abilities. That's a exactly. little odd. It, right, exactly. And so I think, I don't know. And I guess the duration, thing I put that in is like a, check and like a check and balance on it. And I get that. But I think the concentration is a bad check and balance on that front. Maybe they needed it at 14th level. But let me tell you, at 18th to 20th, you wouldn't need that as a check and balance if the subclass went to the capstone of the class. Just saying. I know I'm beating a dead horse. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't give my rant for the third time in this bad boy. <laughs> nope. We're already going to cut out the other two. So, Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> let's just talk what this episode's about. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the feats. Continuing on some level with kind of the graduated feats, where there are some that you can get early levels, there are some that you can get at fourth level, there are some that you can get at eighth level, and the ones that you can get at eighth level are stronger than the ones that you can get at fourth level. Bob's your uncle. Uh, I don't know. Thoughts on the feats and anything that really stood out to you both as really cool or really not. What stood out to me as the most cool is this, these, this shows a feat suite as I like to phrase it, that includes a second level. The other ones were a straight, you have to have this one before you can have as many of those as you want, but there's basically only the two. So now there's more, but there's level requirements on those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's graduated. So whether yeah. you take that middle one or not, there's still something you got to do in between because yeah. you got to wait till the other higher level yeah. for the other. And and I am glad that they didn't make them kind of contingent on one another because again, like if you are playing a giant themed creature, I'm not sure that it makes sense to go ahead and have to take the elemental touched feet and then keenness of the stone giant to get fury of the frost giant. I'm not sure they could stack these in such a way that it made sense to make them prerequisites yep. of one another. You've got right. the, the rune covers, the, they're nested, but that makes sense. But the, yep. the giant ones in particular, I didn't think would make sense to go ahead and put together. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I, I noted that and I liked the fact that that was there. I think that 
gives those of us content creators some additional things we can think about as we go to build things out. So you can make some slightly more powerful feats as long as you now we have potential as long as this comes through, unless we get word that no, they didn't like the level requirements uh, that there's potential for setting things up with level requirements, which I've always liked. I think that the the powers you get at higher levels, look, I play fighters a lot. If I play a fighter and I'm in 13th level, I don't want a power that's the same as somebody gets at fourth level that I want something that's geared for my level. So I like level requirements on certain things. I don't think you need to have tons of them, but I think it needs to be part of the choice involved. All right, Mr. Myers, what about you? Oh, I got two things to three things to say about the feats for the first thing, for the most part, they're pretty cool. I do tiered some of the tiered feat systems in here. I do the prerequisite eighth level for some of the more powerful feats that they're throwing in there from like the stronger giant feats. Yep. There are two that I find really interesting. Uh, the first one is Elemental Touched. Yep. The most interesting thing I have to say about that is, we call it Elemental Nature, but what yep. I have to say is, scooped ya. Scooped ya, exactly. Ours are cooler. <laughs> I think, um, clearly, clearly somebody at Wizards has read our book and thought that was a good idea because other than the half ASIs that we granted them, Mm-hmm. These feats are remarkably similar to something I have read lately in the Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse. Just now, the saying. one thing that I will say, and I do what they did, and they are different, so they do still work. It's not like they conflict. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I don't like, and I do like better about what we did, is what we did, you have to choose your element with your yep. feet. Each one is separate. I don't like the fact that at the end of each long rest, they can set their element. Yeah. I think that's I, I don't much. like that in general. Yeah. Right. I, I'm um, not. I'm not a fan. I like of being it on all some things. mechanics, but they need to be. Li- they need to be limited. If you're playing a four element monk, in your title is your four element. So have something that you can make choices. But for other people, pick your element. Be your right. thing. Not well, everybody. Not everybody is the avatar. Right, Most people are firebenders. They are airbenders. They are waterbenders, or they are right. earthbenders. And if you're really fancy, you might be a metalbender or a bloodbender. That's it. That's what you are, unless. You're Ang, right. unless you're Korra. Uh, and if you're basing it off of giants, if you're descended from fire giants, you'd yeah. be fire touched. If yeah. you were descended from stone giants, you'd be earth touched. Yeah. Unless you're a blend of all giants, yeah. why would you be able to change them every day? That's just silliness. Yeah. Before we get off of that for too far here, I think that elemental touch, and I, I actually mentioned this later on in my in, in the feats as I was reading it, but it dawned on me with Elemental uh, Touch when you were just talking about it. None of these feats have an af- have a half ASI. None of them do. No. So and, and, yes. is that, are they getting away from that? Are they moving away from half ASIs? I don't know, Lee Winiko, that's going to make you sad if they do that, but is that what they're doing here? I don't know. So uh, what makes it's actually me part s- of my next one, but go ahead. Actually, what makes me I'm sad sure. about that is this. If the powers are super strong, and all-encompassing, then they don't need to have the half ASI. My issue with half ASI is limited use or a niche use give them something that affects positively their character holistically as a whole, no matter what they're doing. And that's why I like to have ASIs. So if it's, I can do better at this thing when I do X, when I am under a certain condition, that needs a half ASI because it only happens sometime. So you get the benefit all the time, and then you can get this when the opportunity strikes. So in the event of these, your flying speed and your walking speed, that's fairly all-encompassing, so I get it. But so many lineages races 
have ver- flying speeds or various type types of mobility. And and if you're playing any number of sorcerers, any number of wizards, any number of anything, any spellcaster of any kind whatsoever, you have so many options to fly. This becomes less important. Well, granted, you're not doing this for a resource expenditure, but the fact is it, it either becomes redundant because of other things you can do or not all that great in and of itself. If it was a fly speed equal to double your walking speed, then no, it doesn't need it. But at your walking speed, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Uh, the fact that you yeah. get to change it, that's why they don't have the ASI. This doesn't, because you can change between all four of these at your whim. Yeah, that's too powerful because you can daily be situational. Like yeah. we're trapped in a... Daily, important notification, well, not at your whim. Your daily whim is what I'm saying. Right. We're trapped in a cloud giant's in a cloud giant's uh, temple. We need to escape. I'm strong enough to fly us out of here, or I could tie you to ropes and uh, we'll fly and or, or whatever. Guess what I need to do? I need to be air tomorrow. So we'll go to sleep. We'll stay in prison tonight. You work on breaking us out first thing in the morning before he says fee fi fo fum. We're out. You know. <laughs> um, you know. And then when you land on the ground, it's oh look, something's coming after us. Guess what? We'll camp out for the night. We'll handle this next because we got bad guys coming. I'll just make some bad terrain because I can be Earth today. So yeah. it's because of the versatility and the ability to change that they don't have the IFAS high. If these were what we had with what we ended up with in Traveler's Guide, where we said, no, we don't want the versatility. We want this to be four separate choices. Then each of these needs the ASI. And yeah, I right. think that's the, the reason why it's not here. Why none of these have ASIs? Probably because their power level is a bit higher than some of the other ones we've seen yeah. in previous UAs. What a perfect segue, Lewanika. Thank you very much. I try. Yeah. I do this professionally. <laughs> so I'm with you on that, except Rune Carver Apprentice should have a half ASI. And I say yeah. that because you look at this ability, and it's cool. And I get that they're going with the runes, but I got a, a couple of bones to pick with this feat. This is a huge number, and thank you. This is a huge number of runes to know just right off the get for yeah. Feet. Right, you should have a number. Maybe you get to pick four that you know, and that's limiting it. But I say that should happen just because of the versatility of it. Because effectively, they're giving you the ability to choose daily a different first level spell that you have. But that's all you get is a first level spell. Whereas for and I get that there's some versatility there, but just something like Fey Touched, you get an ASI, you learn Misty Step. And a first level spell of your choice. Yeah. Right. This is just a first level spell, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the difference is that it's 15 first level spells that you can go ahead and you can and have choose. one a day, but you have, in effect, you have 15 available to you. So you like right. when you're doing your spell preparation, you can add an extra first level spell. Again, uh, that he, what they're doing is they're trading off really. that ASI for the extreme versatility. You basically every night get the plan for your next day. And, and right. to be fair, wizards do that. If you're playing a wizard, you should be doing just that. If you're playing every single day with the exact same spell loadout, then chances are your game is probably not as varied as it should be. Note to storytellers, vary your game so wizards need to change their spell loadout. Yep. Do that early. Do that often so that they're constantly having the discussions and the role-playing moments about what's coming up tomorrow. But that versatility is why they're taking that ASI away, because it's too powerful without that. Even though it's only a first-level spell, it's too many choices that slot. fit too many situations to, to also give an ASI. I think the limitation plus the ASI makes that a bit better. 
Carry on, guard. That was it. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, except I... that that would also give you an opportunity to change up how you enhanced it in Rune Carver Adapt, letting you now do multiple runes up to your proficiency bonus. So at higher levels, you could have six first level spells at your disposal a day that you can all cast once without being. Yeah. Without so, using a thing. So he- here's here's my concern about these two feats in particular, and I'm glad that you brought them up because, again, they're fine but they don't sing for me. And the thing that really gets me is that you have to carve these runes into a thing by story to go ahead and make them effective, but there's no time commitment. You can just, there's no, you don't need to take an action. You don't need to just as after a long rest, you can do it. So I suppose it could be implied that you're doing it while you're in your long rest, I guess maybe, but that is the implication. I think they're simplifying that step yeah. in all things. Now you're yeah. seeing that when you finish a long rest, instead of specifying yeah. that at so, the end of your long rest or during the end of your long rest, because yeah. two hours can be not sleeping. Yeah. I just, I, I wish that they would have said, you know, because again, I, I don't know. I, I wish that there would have been some kind of time commitment. It takes an hour, takes a 10 minutes, takes a whatever, it's a, something it takes some amount of time outside of your long rest to go ahead and do it. And even with the Rune Carver Adept too, it's so you can do all of them, and but they all refresh every day. So yeah, by what fourth level or whatever, you can do three objects a day. Later on, you can do up to it's five or six or whatever. But every day you've got to do all five or six, and so it becomes very ritualized. But they're not making any time for that ritual. They're making part, that ritual part of your long rest. I think that they missed kind of a, a narrative hook there to go ahead and make the rune carver go through the ritual every day of of studying the runes, figuring, doing some sort of portent, figuring out what they want to go ahead and do, and all that sort of thing. And I, I I just think that it's a missed opportunity. I think the answer is you flavor text it in the flavor text, and you don't put it in the mechanics. It, or if you do it as part of, you just say, use the phrase, as part of your yeah. long rest, you spend time, don't give it a number, do it ritualistically preparing your rune. Yep. And then go I, from there. Yeah, I think, I think, that, I think, yeah, that I think that's how you do that. And maybe that'll be in the finished product. I would hope yeah. that it would. I'd be curious um, to see how it depends. Exactly, yeah. So I did want to point out one feat that I love, but it's missing something that I think is critically important, which is outsized might. For anybody who's ever played in any of my games or ever had me at their table, one of the most frequent feats I ask, can I have this homebrew feat, is uh, a homebrew feat that I found on D Beyond years ago called Powerful Build. It basically replicates the uh, a combination of the monkey grip feat from third edition and the powerful build, which is a lineage feature, basically allowing creatures to be stronger than their size category would normally allow them to be and allow them to wield two-handed weapons one-handed. I use it for HK. I got permission to use the powerful build for that character because it made sense. Big giant battle robot, all those things. And it, and it sang for that purpose. I have used it with other characters and allowed them to use it. I generally homebrew at my table. If you're playing a Goliath, a loxodon or any of these minute any of these things that have that powerful build feature i generally will allow for that because it makes sense if i have a carrying capacity that is bigger than my size would normally allow then why couldn't i wield a great sword like a long sword but to me that makes sense so i just do that outsize might i think leaves a couple things out that i would prefer which is that specific ability to the ASI, which for powerful yeah. build is plus one to strength or constitution, your choice. And I think that leaves this very lackluster as a feat. I would not take this as long as somebody allowed me to have powerful build as as an option. I like the homebrew feat powerful grip that lets you use a versatile weapon for the two-handed damage in one hand. I think that going all the way to 
a full two-handed weapon in one hand without it being a higher level ability, let's say maybe 14th as getting closer to a capstone ability, is too much. And the greatsword's damage in one hand, that's a lot. With the other stuff in this feat, yeah, I would agree. That would that that's probably why they didn't include that in here. I, I am right with you though, Luanika. I I found this underwhelming. I thought that it could have used a half ASI because I didn't think that the I didn't think the powers that were within it were that great. I think that when I think of outsized might from a narrative point of view as a feat, what I do not think about is improving my acrobatic skill. That seems misplaced. That seems weird. When I look at the powerful build section, basically what it's giving you a benefit to is encumbrance rules. And let's just all be honest here. Encumbrance is the most often ignored rule in the game. It just is. Like that's like that's it just is. I don't think I've played at a table that actually used an I have never played with encumbrance exactly, right? And then finally you get Occasionally streams of Spiro will say something like, That's a bit much to carry, don't you think? But that's as far as that conversation goes. Now, stalwart, solid ability for stalwart. The ability to go ahead and basically roll an advantage against getting moved or knocked prone. I could imagine, if you will, the when we were facing up against Scald and she summoned that earth elemental that I had to go ahead and push out of my way to go save your guy, Lee Winika. Yeah. Imagine that earth elemental had stalwart and I was rolling against advantage for me to push him out of the way. That totally changes the tenor of that battle because me as the tank can now not get to use squishy magic user blood hunter to go ahead and save you. And you probably go down faster. I may not go down faster, but because I'm stuck there, I'm now that birth elemental is now a threat because I can't get past it unless I suck the, the attack of opportunity. So it's also you know, a defense against mighty impel. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I, I agree. I thought that was a, that was a weak sauce. Other than that, though, I thought that the giant ones were fine. I thought the guile of the cloud giant with its silver tongue ability was a little weird. Like that, that was a little weird. Whatever. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Silver tongues gonna are in right now. Them. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But yeah, the only other weird thing that I thought been them was in the vigor of the hill giant. I thought that for the most part, bulwark, very useful. That's a fantastic section on that feat. I thought that with hearty health, the fact that you only get that benefit if you are healed by a spell and not any other healing effects. If you quaff a potion, if you, but it says specifically spell. It should be uh, everything to include like hit dice recovery. Totally. Or hit dice recovery. Exactly. of healing. A pul- or hypothetically, a yeah, any number of things that can go ahead and heal hit points. The only thing that you get you get healthy, hearty health on is when you get healed with a spell. And I thought that was unnecessarily limiting. So we already have some good feedback for them when the survey comes out. We absolutely do. So that survey should be out. Yeah, the survey should be out <laughs> yeah. soon because we're already. This is probably about a week or so after. Uh, I've already checked. It's not out yet, but the survey should be out soon. So be checking for your giant options survey to go ahead and uh, get this feedback back to Wizards of the Coast. But as always, everybody out there, we want to know. Uh, yeah, what did we get? What did we get wrong? What did you like? What are your thoughts on the latest Unearthed Arcana? So please, through all the means available to you, uh, Twitter, Facebook, email all those things that you'll hear at the end of the show here. We want to hear your feedback. We want to know what you liked about today's episode, what you thought about today's episode, all that sort of stuff. Send us your thoughts. (laughs) Exactly, please, yeah. So next week, we are finally going to be getting into our Monsters of the Multiverse episode. I think that this poor episode has been kicked down the can several times here in favor of other things, uh, including our awesome interview with James Intercaso and our awesome interview with the Fates and Feats podcast and all sorts of other awesome things that have been put in here. But finally, we're going to be talking about Morden Kanan's Monsters of the Multiverse next week. And also on Actual Play Tuesday, uh, Mr. Miller's spy game continues to go ahead and wind on here. Uh, and we have uh, our Artificer Class Warfare with Mike from 19 Hints of the Dragon coming up here soon. So that'll be a wicked good time, as they say in the biz. So, all right, gentlemen. Yeah. Nice work today. Appreciate uh, appreciate you guys as always. Any other final thoughts? I, I think good. And I really think 
Zendikar, I think is what I'm thinking. Yep. I I like for all the critiquing we had, it's because we want the final product to be better. I like in general what we have, and I want to see this stuff come out. I just want the form to be a little better thought through and finished. Yep. And I will say this regarding elemental feats. Check out Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse. I think we do it better with all <laughs> with all love in my heart for uh, Watsy yep. and the products that they brought to us. This is one I think you got one got scooped, two got outdone. Uh, folks, check out the book. It's yep. a lot of fun. It's going to be amazing at your table. Thank you all for uh, joining us tonight. In fact, the elemental nature feats are in the preview on the book. So if you want to know how good they are before you go ahead and uh, throw down your money to go ahead and buy the book, uh, just go to DM's Guild, look up Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, and you can see how we built the elemental nature feats and see if they will work at your table. And if they do work at your table, we want to know about it because we want to hear people playing about it. So, Like, anyway. subscribe, and comment in the wherever <laughs> down below thank you very much everybody you have a fantastic evening enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll talk to you again next week when we uh, finally dive into more than monster of the multiverse so thank you very much everybody have a good day peace giants are great thank you for joining us this has been tabletop journeys we would love to hear your feedback on our show today join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water. Thank you.